Hi, I'm Lisa Prather, and welcome to The Voice of Health with our host, Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, where lives are changed every day through the natural approach to health care. Well, we're going to start with our COVID update, and we're going to talk about the big four-letter word right now, mask. <laughs> to mask or not to mask? <laughs> that <laughs> is, is the question. question. So, Dr. Prather, why a show on masks? Well, this is a uh, big thing right now. We've just had the uh, state mandate on uh, mask wearing Mm -hmm. uh, in public lifted uh, recently on uh, April 6th. So then we, of course, have in different communities, I mean, basically, that can kind of pick and choose on whether they want to wear masks or not. So the whole thing is, do we continue with masks? Do we not continue with masks? One of the things that they found is that uh, places where they have in different uh, states and cities where they have a lot of mask wearing a lot of people are getting out are leaving are, are leaving, actually yeah. moving like out california yeah new york city places where they don't have mask uh, requirements people are moving there what is it new york city had eight hundred thousand people leave wow people that i know in florida said they all moved to florida <laughs> <laughs> and they're not really necessarily happy about it uh-huh. So, uh, whether to mask or not, uh, you know, that's what people are asking. I know that, well, if you're in Indianapolis, the mayor has determined that for the county of Marion that we are still supposed to be wearing masks. The governor has said that uh, they have that permission to require it. They also said that buildings and uh, businesses can still require it if they want to and if it's compliant with the local ordinances. And so, you know, the whole thing is that uh, do we continue with the mask? Do we actually uh, stop the mask? That's really the, uh, the question that uh, a lot of people are asking. I actually had people in, in the office saying, you know, patients saying, can I stop wearing my mask now coming in? Because mm -hmm. we did have a requirement on that. And I said, well, no, Marion County still requires it. The landlords require it. There's a lot of people who are very concerned about it. You know, people coming in who are at high risk into the building. Uh, so mask requirements are still there. And, you know, a lot of them were like, darn. We were hoping that that was a thing of the past. So this is a big question that's going on, and uh, we're actually debating it nationally on a state levels and uh, on community levels on whether masks should continue uh, in schools or in whatever. So mm -hmm. this is a good question to have, and what are we finding out about is what we're trying to share. Okay. Well, are masks effective? Ah, the million-dollar question. <laughs> that is really, and, and quite frankly, it's, you know, there's a lot of controversy on that. Mm -hmm. This is not just a, oh, you know, yes, or oh, no. Actually varies from mask to mask and how you use it and, mm -hmm. and what you're actually talking about, you know, being effective. So, very good question. The conclusion is actually open. Open. So, is there evidence that masks work? Yes, one of the big ones that is actually talked about is a compilation of, uh, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different randomized control trials. And this is the study that uh, everybody kind of goes to uh, on the effectiveness of mask wearing to control community spread of SARS-CoV-2 is what it's called. And it was published in JAMA. A Journal of American Medical Association on February 10th, 2021. And this is the scientific paper that they put out as saying mass work. 
So this is kind of what is out there. Now, people actually put it together just to kind of help us to understand uh, what's going on. They actually admit that randomized controlled trials are supportive, but you cannot actually put that as conclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's inconclusive because uh, randomized controlled trials by their very nature we had some other people who did uh, randomized control trials and actually found out that they weren't but these were the ones that they actually came up with as the the absolute science that yes mass work but the people who actually put it out there said yes this is a very supportive study and i would actually agree with that mm-hmm. that uh, mass actually do work so it is supportive but they've said it's inconclusive Mm-hmm. So, you know, the jury's still out on that if you're actually talking about scientific papers. So, you know, understanding that, putting that out there is that, yeah, there is a lot of support on the science, but the science is basically inconclusive at this time. So what does that all mean? <laughs> uh, we don't really know. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, you know, I, I think one of the things is that they're saying we need to support the science. And the science is conclusive. Well, no, the people who did the study says it's inconclusive. <laughs> you know, so it was supportive. Uh huh. So the the science at this point is supportive of mask wearing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there and, we go. <laughs> but it is not conclusive. That I'm. You've clarified that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now that I mean, we're all so sure of everything that's going on here. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. You know, like we we got this down. So, <laughs> so are there any naysayers on masks? Yes, there are. And the first one that I'd like to quote is Anthony Fauci. Oh, we've heard of him. On 60 Minutes on March 8th, 2020. This is a direct quote of his. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little better and might even block a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep filling with a mask and they keep touching their face, (laughs) which actually makes it worse than if you were not wearing a mask Uh doing that. So that was one That was a direct quote. That is a direct quote from Anthony Fauci. And I think the mask mandate started, what, in August? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he said, well, he changed his mind because of the inconclusive report. So <laughs> that's, that's there. There are some definite types of things that go on with the mask. If you cough, you are spreading droplets and particles eight feet. Mm-hmm. If you cough into a mask, it's two and a half inches. Mm. So, you know, mm-hmm. yes, you can actually see where that could actually have a big impact on things. You know, if people are coughing and having symptoms. Yeah. There are definite different types of ways of doing it. Uh, The whole thing is that there's a combination of things going on. The Wall Street Journal put out uh, November 11th, 2020. The projected number of lives saved in implied uh, case for mass mandates are based on a faulty statistic. And they were actually basing it off of this, uh, you know, their conclusions on this. Paul E. Alexander, Canadian epidemiologist, Surgical and cloth masks used as they currently have have absolutely no impact on controlling the transmission of COVID-19 virus, and current evidence implies face masks can be actually harmful. So there are a lot of things that can actually occur with that. So which masks are the best? Well, N95, of course, has a, the reason they call them N95 
is because they have a 95% uh, reduction in, tr in transmission. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, that's why they call them 95. It's because it's a 95% effectiveness. Okay. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> now, there's something called KN95 because you can't get N95s. And that's manufactured by the Chinese. And they say it's also 95% effective. Quite frankly, people uh, say that, you know, they're not because it's a Chinese standard. Uh -huh. And then also 65% of all the KN95 masks are actually knockoffs and don't even come close <laughs> to working. So just for people to be aware, what really works is a combination of silk and cotton. Oh. So if you want to make your own mask and actually have higher than the N95, is you put one layer silk that covers everything, uh -huh. and then one layer cotton with at least a 600 thread count. And you are actually probably going to do better than an N95 mask. Interesting. So. What is the future masking? There are people who want it to be permanent. Mm. I really hope that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, people say, well, this shouldn't be politicized, and it is politicized. Yeah. But you can't get two ways around it. It's just basically where we want to stand with this whole thing. Right. Well, thank you, Dr. Prather. When we come back, we're going to talk on hypertension, the silent killer. You can win a free 60-minute massage in a relaxing spa at the Prather Practice. Each month, we have a drawing to give away a free massage to one of our lucky Facebook and Twitter fans. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. This is The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather. <laughs> The Voice of Health Wellness Tip featuring rapid release technology. What professionals out there use the rapid release technology? It was invented by a chiropractor, and chiropractors actually are really quite innovative and have come up with quite a few devices. So chiropractors obviously were the first ones to start using it. Physical therapists, occupational therapists, massage therapists are also using it. Athletic trainers, NFL, NFL, NBA, NBA, NHL, PGA. So it's very important for sports. A lot of Olympic athletes are using that to maintain the function of their body. So for sports, for recovery, even after surgeries, headache clinics are using it. I've even taken the softer head over someone's cranium and that back occiput area. Sure. And, you know, we have sutures in our skull and work the sutures with it. The headache people just love that. You just see people kind of drifting off. Uh-huh. So during the treatment, if you're not careful, I mean, people are just going to fall asleep on you. That's all right. TMJ, using that small head. Yeah, and temporomandibular joint syndrome can be very, very devastating to people. Getting that under control can really help out. One of the things that's very interesting is that we used it for people with depression even. One of the things that occurs with depression, pain can kind of kick that off. And then also the levator scapula. As you release that, then all of a sudden people can start breathing. Those are up in the, the neck area, that upper back. We call those the tension muscle mm -hmm. headaches. Getting that release can actually change people's anxiety levels and decrease their depression levels. Relax muscles and release aches, pains, and tension through rapid release high-speed vibration therapy. Experience the benefits of rapid release therapy by scheduling an appointment at the Prather Practice. And to purchase your own, go to our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. Click on the rapid release banner and enter code Prather for a $100 discount available to the Voice of Health radio listeners. 
Detailed lab tests are crucial to understanding your health. As Dr. Prather always says, if you don't test, you don't know. There are certain lab tests that all of us should have at least once per year. At the Prather Practice, we recommend three affordable tests that provide the blueprint to your health. The Prather Profile is the most comprehensive blood analysis available, providing more information about the function of your body than any other test. Minerals are the common deficiencies in the body, and hair analysis is the most effective way to analyze mineral levels. The bowels have the largest influence on the immune system, and the best way to test that is through the GI Effects Stool Kit. The Prather Profile Blood Analysis and the GI Effects Stool Kit are even covered by most insurances. Don't guess when it comes to your health. Discover the blueprint to your health at the Prather Practice by calling us at 317-848-8048. That's 317-848-8048. The Prather Practice. Restoring hope. You're listening to The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, the most comprehensive wellness center in the Midwest. Today we're talking about The Silent Killer. That's a scary title. It is a scary title. (laughs) Killer's bad enough, but a silent killer is like, ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is The Silent Killer that we're going to talk about? High blood pressure. You're hearing more and more people going on blood pressure medicine. It's a um, major concern, has been one of the major emphasis in healthcare, mm-hmm. just how blood pressure is just leading to so many deaths. It's a contributor to cardiovascular disease, it's a contributor to stroke, it's a contributor to kidney disease. Those are in the top killers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as you're looking at that, high blood pressure is just a major factor in how quickly you'll die. So getting the high blood pressure under control is one of the major emphasis of insurance companies right now. Mm-hmm. For the uh, healthcare professionals, it's uh, one of the top th- ones that we need to deal with. So it's something that there's a uh, major push. One of the markers on success in a doctor's office hospital is how well they control blood pressure. So there's a, a tremendous amount of push on that. And uh, there's been a dramatic increase in the number of medications sold on that. So major issue and something that we all need to be aware of, the whole thing of a silent killer is one of the things is it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is considered high blood pressure? Well, if you're talking about what normal is, uh, normal blood pressure is 120 over 80. Mm-hmm. When they consider that you are getting into prehypertension, mm-hmm. it's when you, once you get over 120. So 120 to 139 is a prehypertensive state, and 80 to 89 is also considered a prehypertensive state. Anything is considered high if it's over 140 over 90. Mm-hmm. And the upper number is the systolic number which is what your number is when your heart contracts. Okay. And then the lower number is diastolic when the heart goes into relaxation. So those are the the two numbers that you look at. And the one that is actually the most important is the uh, diastolic. What they would consider the bottom number. Mm -hmm. So that actually shows uh, the amount of stress on your circulatory system when you're even at rest. Mm. So that's the most important number. Uh, 
And uh, what did that number need to be? 90. 90, okay. 90 or below. Uh-huh. Stage 1 hypertension is a systolic of 140 to 159 and diastolic of 90 to 99. Stage 2 hypertension, when you're really at risk, is any systolic that's over 160 and diastolic that's over 100. That's stage 2. That's stage two. So these stages are, what would you call them, just um, when you need to start Well, you know, that's, that treatment. would be, if we're looking at those, how aggressively we treat okay. is very much dependent on what stage they're in. Mm -hmm. You always have to look at risk versus benefit. Okay. Okay. Got it. So risk versus benefit and any type of a treatment, and you need to be much more aggressive when you're talking about a stage two more aggressive stage two. Okay. Correct. Okay. Interesting. So why does high blood pressure kill? High blood pressure is the contributing factor to uh, heart attacks, mm -hmm. congestive heart failure. It also leads to strokes and also to kidney failure, which are all within the top five of the killers. Uh, cardiovascular disease, of course, is the number one mm -hmm. and stroke is number four. So those are add up, and that's a huge number of people that actually die from cardiovascular. Hypertension has been said to contribute to 1,000 deaths a day. Wow, 1,000 deaths a day. 1,000 deaths hypertension. a day, the hypertension. Wow. Which is a, a very alarming number. Right. So if we could control hypertension, then we could very well see 1,000 people die less a day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a red flag, right? It to, is. To other diseases. And, and, and one of the things is, you know, uh, there are some signs that can kind of occur with hypertension, but most people do not have any signs. Mm -hmm. So only about 5% have, you know, obvious signs that they have hypertension. 95% of the people who have hypertension have no idea. Mm. Symptom-wise, you know, so unless you're having your blood pressure checked on a regular basis, you don't know if you have hypertension or not. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things why they said, you know, if you go into your doctor, you should be checking your blood pressure. Right. And it's part of the vitals. It's just part of the vitals that you're mm -hmm. looking at. I know, and more and more people are taking it at home. Sure. You know, and that's important. Well, I had a uh, dentist once that always checked everyone's uh, blood pressure because he had... Uh, had <laughs> the a, dental office. The dental office uh -huh. because he himself, he had just gone in mm -hmm. for some type of a screening and they checked his blood pressure and he said, wow, I didn't have any idea and here I am wow. a healthcare professional. You know, dentists don't take vitals or blood pressure. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's unusual, but, but I mean, he felt that it saved his life, right. and so every opportunity that we have, and he says it's a quick type of thing, right? easy to do, mm -hmm. and, you know, every chance, because he says it's amazing how many of my dental patients mm -hmm. have not been to see a doctor in two years. But they've seen the dentist. But they've seen the dentist. So he said, <laughs> why shouldn't we be screening on that? Uh-huh. So, you know, that's part of, of course, our exams, re-exams, always is to check on the blood pressure. I mean, but you just said something that was just amazing, that people keep their, their regular appointments with their dentist. Yes. And dentist offices are so good at that. Yes, Making sure yes. you follow up. Yes. And yet they might not have an appointment to have their... Uh, 
the rest of their body checked. Right, right. The dental profession has done a very, yes. very good job on preventive care mm-hmm. and making sure that people keep up on their appointments and keep their dental health up. Yeah. It used to be that, uh, well, uh, getting off subject, but it yeah. used to be that you only went in when you felt like you had a problem for your dentist. Yeah. But they were able to get the idea across of preventive dentistry, and that's really what we need to be doing within our offices. Yeah, all other physicians could really learn from that. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 I know it takes and we some effort. Try to, and we do that here. We try to, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how common is high blood pressure? What are the stats? Well, about a third of all adults have hypertension. And let me just give you sort of the, the ages and mm-hmm. what percentage of people have hypertension. Wow. So from 20 to 34, about 11% of men mm-hmm. and about 7% of women have hypertension. That's, that's young. 20 to 34, that's yes. Young. And that's a bad sign. If you have hypertension at that point, your chances of living uh, a long and healthy life are pretty slim. So, so getting that under serious. control is very, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the younger you start, the worse the, the problems are. Mm-hmm. Uh, 35 to 44, 25% of men and 19% of women. 45 to 54, it's 37% of men and 35% of women. 55 to 64, it's 54% of men and 53% of women. So it starts to narrow at that age. But you're talking yeah, about over 50% of both between 55 and 64 that's that's half have hypertension Uh once they get to 65 to 74 64 percent of men and 69 percent of women so women start to as they get older overtake men on how often they have hypertension and then 75 and over it's 66 percent of men and almost 79% of women have hypertension. Do you have a theory on that? I mean, so women, women as they age... Women start to get, yes. Wow. They're not completely sure. Uh-huh. Now, also, according to race, there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. The average of Caucasians is about a third, both men and women. Mm-hmm. Hispanics have a little bit lower rate. They're about, for men, 28% women about 29%. So if you're Hispanic heritage, you have less of a chance of having hypertension. But African American is really where hypertension is just such a major killer. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we deal with and really emphasize with our African American population Mm -hmm. is really to be up on their their blood pressure and have that checked on a regular basis. Because it's 43% of men and 46% of women Mm -hmm. from 20 on up have hypertension and when you get into the older population it's almost 100 percent wow so hypertension is a major major killer in the african-american community wow so what are risk factors for high blood pressure high blood pressure have several risk factors one is uh uh, of course diet uh, Mm -hmm. plays a big role the amount of uh, table salt that goes into your diet also obesity Mm-hmm. plays a big role. Diabetes is a big factor. Genetics, mm-hmm. smoking. Mm-hmm. If we could get people just to quit smoking, a lot of hypertension would go away. And that, I wonder if that has to do with the younger population. You know, those percentages were alarming to me 
for hypertension for the younger population. Yes, smoking is is probably and I know that's increasing. one of the biggest risk factors and one of the main reasons that smoking affects that is it produces a tremendous number of free radicals. Mm -hmm. And when you get into uh, free radicals, then you start to get into arterial and atherosclerosis because mm. it damages the arteries. And you're starting that young. And you're starting that young, and it takes a, quite a bit to get that reversed. Mm -hmm. So it's weight, it's diabetes, it's uh, genetics, it's smoking. Mm -hmm. Alcohol consumption also plays a big role. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at all those different types of things, caffeine intake is always something to look at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at all those different types of factors and trying to cut down on your risk is uh, something that uh, and those are all things we should be working on. Things that we can work on and take that's, responsibility for. That's things that take we responsibility can work on. for our health. When we come back, we're going to talk about treatments for high blood pressure. Listen to the Voice of Health Radio on your smartphone or tablet on all of the top radio apps available. Tune in Radio, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can find these apps and more on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. This is the Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather. Laughter is the best medicine. Every time somebody recommends a doctor, always the best. Always is he good? Always the best. This guy's the best. They can't all be the best. There can't be this many best. Someone's graduating at the bottom of these classes. Where are these doctors? And then there's always that, make sure that you tell him that, you know, you know me. Why? What's the difference? He's a doctor. What is he? Oh, you know Bob. Oh, okay, I'll give you the real medicine. And everybody else, I'm giving Tic Tacs. The Voice of Health Minute with Dr. Robert Prather of the Prather Practice. Do not take over-the-counter medications before your shot. A lot of people were taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or aspirin and other different types of things just to try to cut down on any type of arm pain or anything like that before the vaccination. Do not do that. And how about if you have COVID? You are not supposed to get the vaccination if you are sick Mm -hmm. or have the COVID, that's also a contraindication for getting the vaccination. So one of the things that you should do is probably get a test to see if you have COVID-19 before you get the vaccination. Mm -hmm. That's Makes highly sense. recommended because if you do have the virus and get the vaccination, that could put you at definite risk, even if you're a healthy individual. Some people have actually not had any symptoms, but wound up having it and could have been related to their demise. Schedule your appointment at the Prather Practice, 317-848-8048. The Prather Practice, restoring hope. Are you experiencing muscle pain or tightness anywhere on your body? Try the Rapid Release Therapy Pro 2. The Pro 2 is a targeted high-speed vibration therapy device used by medical professionals to quickly relieve a wide variety of aches and pains on their patients as well as themselves, their friends, and their families. Safe, effective, and easy to use, this professional quality medical device uses a patent treatment head with five built-in heads, giving you the versatility to treat small bony surfaces, such as fingers, wrists, and ankles. Powerful enough to quickly relax the tightest hips on professional athletes and everything in between. Unlike the low-speed percussive devices, rapid-release therapy delivers for sensitive areas like joints, neck, and ankle 
safely and comfortably and provides the raw power your larger muscle groups need. Go to our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. Click on the rapid release banner and enter code PRATHER for a $100 discount for the Voice of Health Radio listeners. I was I'm Lisa Prather, and you're listening to The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, where we get to the root cause of your health issue. We're talking today about the silent killer, hypertension. And Dr. Prather, I am learning a lot, and I'm going to go get my blood pressure taken here as soon as I'm done here. But I usually <laughs> 120 over 80 every time, and yeah. you are too. Yeah, I'm 120 over 80. Uh-huh. So I'm not even in the pre-hypertensive state, which mm-hmm. is really good for my age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's reasons for that. Right. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. Are there different kinds of high blood pressure? There are. There is primary hypertension, which is considered more of a gradual type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a accumulation of different types of factors. Secondary hypertension is where you can directly relate that to another cause. Those causes would be a hyperthyroid, some kidney disease, different types of aspects along those lines. If you're going to identify a single cause, then it's considered secondary hypertension. Single cause. Okay. Right. Primary hypertension is the most common, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. And explain that again, okay. primary. Primary hypertension is you've gotten some overweight, you've mm-hmm. increased your free radical pathology through smoking, different types of lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, stress. And so there's a gradual changes that occur in your system where things aren't working well. So it's a cumulative, not one cause, and it's a gradual increase in your blood pressure. Okay. Well, what are treatments for high blood pressure? Well, of course, there are quite a few different medications along those lines Mm -hmm. that you can approach it from. So there is the, the pharmaceutical route. About 50% of the people who are aware that they have hypertension have it under control through medications. Okay. Uh, 50% have tried medications and they haven't worked. So it's uncontrolled hypertension, Mm -hmm. which is a big management issue. So for the people who are being treated, well, only 50% of the people that have hypertension are aware that they have hypertension. Okay. Only 50%. 50% are aware that they have hypertension. So 50% of the population doesn't even know it. Why? Because they're not going to the doctor? Because they <laughs> haven't been, yeah, because they haven't had their blood pressure taken. Uh-huh. Is that so, more men than women? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, how did you know? Because <laughs> I've been in healthcare for 30 years. <laughs> and you're married to one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so of the 50% who are aware that they have hypertension, only 50% have it under control. The mm-hmm. other is uncontrolled hypertension, which, of course, is a major problem. Mm-hmm. We're looking at how to work with those other 50% and work with the others. Because when you're talking about medications, there are risks versus benefits. And of course, all pharmaceuticals, if they don't have a risk, Mm -hmm. what they would consider side effects or creating diseases, then they couldn't be called pharmaceuticals. Then they are functional medicine, not not pharmaceutical disease Mm -hmm. care. 
So there are risks that are involved with pharmaceuticals. Well, let's talk about, you know, are there problems with medical treatment for high blood pressure? Yes, one of the things is oftentimes you can start to get uh, problems with the blood pressure medicine that starts to occur. One of the major ones is that it wears out the kidneys. Mm -hmm. Because one of the major th ways that you're trying to work with blood pressure medicine is to force the kidneys to work harder because it's the kidneys are the big controlling factor on your blood pressure. So if your kidneys, it could be cart before the horse, could, if you're having a problem with your kidneys, can that cause high blood pressure? 70% of all blood pressure problems, 70% of the contribution to blood pressure problems comes from the kidneys. So as we are looking functionally mm -hmm. on how to help the patient, the biggest success is when we can get the kidneys working better. The main thing that we're looking at, the gold standard on the kidney function is glomerular filtration rate. Mm -hmm. It's how well does your kidneys filter. So you figure that out mathematically between the blood urea nitrogen and the creatinine. And that measurement is the probably the biggest indication, not the only contributing factor, but one of the major con contributing factors to hypertension. Interesting. So if you are in, you start to get in considered disease state if you go below 60 mm -hmm. on your glomerular filtration rate, but you would really like your glomerular filtration rate to be 85 or above. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, then you can maintain, uh, you have a much, much, much better chance of keeping your blood pressure in a good shape. Right. And so that you see, you can get that through blood work, correct? Through blood work. And the biggest thing that we can see functionally that we can really make a difference with is getting that glomerular filtration rate improved mm -hmm. through functional medicine really makes a big difference in people's blood pressure. Okay. Well, can structure function care be effective for high blood pressure? Yes, structure function care. And of course, let me define what structure function care is and okay. disease care. Mm -hmm. Structure function care is where you bring the body back into homeostasis, which homeostasis is the definition of health. Homeostasis is the balance in the body. An example is the kidneys. Once you start going below 85 on your glomerular filtration rate, your kidneys aren't working up to par. Mm -hmm. So if we can help the kidneys to work better, improve the glomerular filtration rate, then we can improve the blood pressure. Other things that can be contributing factors, and there's a whole host of them, liver. One of the things that we need to understand on how the body works is why does the body raise the blood pressure? Because mm -hmm. it needs more blood. Ah, so That's if a good question to ask. Right. <laughs> so as we are looking at a patient, we're saying, well, why is the body raising up the blood pressure? Mm -hmm. Where does it need more blood? So if your kidneys aren't filtering up to par, mm -hmm. the body says, hey, we need better filtration. If I force the blood through faster and harder, mm -hmm. I can filter the blood better. Also, you can have a congested liver mm -hmm. or the liver's not working right. So the body increases the blood flow to try to help the liver to function better. Your heart's not getting enough oxygen. So it increases the blood pressure to try to get more oxygen to the heart or to the brain mm -hmm. or to the lungs. So infection raises up blood pressure. Why? Because you're trying to get the blood flow going better. Mm -hmm. The two controlling factors 
for the blood pressure that tells the blood pressure how to work is the nervous system and the endocrine system. So the kidneys have a feedback loop that tell the body whether to raise blood pressure or not. And it works through the adrenals, through the endocrine system, nervous system. Mm -hmm. So always looking, first off, does the nervous system and the endocrine system, the hormones, working properly? Mm-hmm. And then two, if they are working properly, then what organ system or what system is at fault for the body to have the blood pressure to raise? Interesting. So, I mean, one of the things that's, that's fascinating is that chiropractic has several clinical studies to show to be extremely effective in lowering blood pressure. Well, you said the two systems, nervous system, which Correct. chiropractic has a lot to do with, a big impact on. Right. There was a study that showed that an atlas adjustment had a greater percentage of effect on blood pressure than blood pressure medicine. Wow. In balancing. And when you say atlas, it's the first vertebrae. First vertebrae. Mm -hmm. Upper cervical adjustment. Sure. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's a very scientific type of approach. Now, Mm -hmm. there are times if someone comes into our office and they have a diastolic of 60 and a 110 systolic and then a diastolic of, of, of 110, we need to get that under control now. Right. So we put them on blood pressure medicine, mm-hmm. but then we try to f- also approach this functionally mm-hmm. and structurally mm-hmm. to see what things we can do because, as we've said, all pharmaceuticals also have negative effects. Again, if they weren't, didn't have negative effects on the body, they wouldn't be considered pharmaceuticals. So what we do is we try to get them off the pharmaceuticals as quickly as possible. Interesting. So how does chiropractic care help with high blood pressure? Well, the, the nervous system, if you have the nervous system that's overexcited, mm-hmm. if it's not functioning properly and you're not getting the signals, because the nervous system is one of the major controlling aspects of hypertension. Mm -hmm. So one of the major areas that you look at is the upper cervical and then also the nerves that go to the kidneys and adrenals. Interesting. And as we've adjusted those, we have seen immediate changes in blood pressure, Mm. which is great. Mm -hmm. So not that that's 100% along the line. Right. But that is something that should be eliminated as a possible contributing factor to hypertension. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We come back more on structure, function, care, and treatment for high blood pressure. Never miss an episode of The Voice of Health so that you can stay informed and empowered about your health. Get a podcast of our show automatically delivered to you every week by signing up for our show on iTunes. You can find that link on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. And don't forget, thevoiceofhealthradio.com has complete archives of all of our past episodes with an audio library of information to help you add more life to your years and more years to your life. This is The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather. The Voice of Health Wellness Tip with Dr. Robert Prather of the Prather Practice. How is TMJ treated at your office? Uh, One of the uh, most important ones is actually uh, some jaw adjusting. The technique that I actually use, I invented, it needs to be extremely light adjustment. If you come in hard on the jaw, 
it's a very mobile type of a of a joint. Mm-hmm. So the angle, the pattern, and just the amount of right pressure. It's a very gentle type of thing. As a matter of fact, people just sit there and say it's sort of like a puff of air. You know, I mean, did you actually do anything except? you know, all of a sudden, all their pain's gone. Yeah. Matter of fact, the TMJ is uh, uh, one of the major causes of uh, headaches. There's a different pattern if it's cervicogenic and jaw on the headaches. By the time just we do the consultation, I usually know where the headache's coming from. It also has a very strong emotional effect. There's actually a direct nerve that goes right to the brain from the jaw that goes directly to the emotional center in the brain. The emotions can affect the jaw, mm-hmm. and then the jaw can affect the emotions. Jaw problems of any type of musculoskeletal pain, uh, people commit more suicide from TMJ. About 80% of everyone's going to have TMJ sometime in their life. And many times people aren't even aware that that's where their problem's coming right. from. One of the things that you have to do is is the neck has to be fixed to be able to fix the TMJ. If you don't get the, the top bone called the atlas fixed, you'll never be able to fix the the TMJs. And that's something you do. That's, Your specialty we actually is have the a atlas. specialty on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, but you can have TMJ problems and not have a neck problem too. Okay. But if the atlas is out, you're going to absolutely get nowhere with a TMJ. There's also a global type of a shift that occurs. The pelvis will actually shift. We've had people with elbow problems. We've had people with uh, shoulder problems. And I said, it's coming from your jaw. And they're like, you know, well, it doesn't hurt. How does that happen? (laughs) Yeah. And so I go up there and adjust their jaw and their... I recheck their shoulder and the elbow, and and I said, does that hurt anymore? And they go, no, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've had people working on this for two years and and never gotten this far, and you do it in just like five seconds. Examination and diagnostics are absolutely so essential for really understanding a problem. If you don't know exactly what's going on, if you don't know what the cause is, then you can't fix it. Right. And when you know, it makes the treatment easy. Oh, yes. Schedule your appointment at the Prather Practice, 317-848-8048. That's 317-848-8048. Or learn more on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. The Prather Practice, restoring hope. You're listening to The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, where our mission is restoring hope to our patients. We're talking today about the silent killer, hypertension. And Dr. Prather, um, before we went to break, we were talking about structure function care, which we do here, and talking about the different type of treatments we have. Talked about chiropractic care can help with high blood pressure. How about acupuncture? Acupuncture, again, has been shown to have a very effective result on hypertension. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, if someone's in a crisis with hypertension, we can oftentimes do certain points on and get it down immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things we always look at is how effective and should acupuncture be used for hypertension. And yes, it's extremely effective. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How effective are herbals? Herbals. There's been quite a bit of research on herbals for hypertension. 
and with some excellent results. There are some Ayurvedic and Chinese medicines that have been used for thousands of years for high blood pressure. There's also a simple garlic and onion have mm-hmm. been proven to be very good on taking down uh, hypertension. Hawthorne is uh, something that has been used for an awfully long time for hypertension. So those are all things that can be done. Snake root is also something that we use for hypertension. Snake root. Mm-hmm. Snake root. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about hypertension, we have probably about 20 different herbals mm-hmm. that have been shown to be extremely effective for hypertension that can be used. One of the nice things about these particular products is that they are kidney strengtheners. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you're talking about the results of the herbals, you have far less negative effects than if you were using pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So that's why herbals can be really effective. Interesting. How about homeopathy? Homeopathy. Now, for homeopathy, we have about 40 different products that can be used. And what's nice is we individualize. Correct. Which one specifically will help you? And we can test to see which products are going to work. So when you're talking about pharmaceutical choices for hypertension, mm-hmm. there are certain ones that are you know, very effective and different options along those lines. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to have even further options. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people who came in to our office. I had one guy coming in was on four different drugs for hypertension. Four different drugs for? Four different drugs for hypertension. Mm-hmm. And it was still going up. It wasn't even staying the same. It was still going up. So they're going to add a fifth one? Well, you know, they were kind of running out of options. Mm-hmm. You know, basically after four, you can't really add anything else. And they had tried several different combinations on that. And we were able, through a combination of the adjustment acupuncture, some herbals, homeopathics, and vitamins and minerals, able to get it to the point where we started, where first be able to get it under control, Mm -hmm. then we were able to start to cut down on his pharmaceuticals, and we were able to, with the products that we were given him, just have one blood pressure met. Brought him down from four to one. Four mm-hmm. to one, and his blood pressure was working at that point. Uh huh. So the whole thing that we add with the structure function is it gives us many more options besides mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals are absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe them in very strongly, mm-hmm. but we have the best disease care in the world and the most money spent in the world, mm-hmm. but our results are awful. Mm-hmm. Nobody disagrees with that. The healthcare in America, the health of America is, is awful. Even though we have the best disease care in the world, what are we missing? Well, how, how can we have the best disease care in the world? Because we're missing structure function care. <laughs> care. Mm-hmm. The rest mm-hmm. of the world, if you're looking at Europe, 40% of all prescriptions are homeopathic. 40%. 40%. Mm-hmm. If you're in India and in the, in the rest of the world, they use structure function care in conjunction with the disease care. Mm-hmm. The way to think about uh, what should be the split on how much treatment is done is 80% of all care should be structure function care. Mm-hmm. 20% should be disease care. That's where you get the optimal results. It's not that we need to improve our disease care. 
no one disagrees that we have the absolutely best disease care in the entire world. And if people are looking for disease care, they come to America. Mm -hmm. And rightly so. We are horrible mm -hmm. and repressive towards our structure function care. There and behind. And behind. We have a tremendous amount of restrictions, negative information that is put out mm -hmm. on structure function care, and we're not utilizing it to the best ability. It's amazing how misinformed the medical doctors are on and the efficacy mm -hmm. of structure function care. Well, they don't get it in medical school. They're taught that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's not ethical to do, mm -hmm. and it makes no sense in a scientific standpoint that you would not be trying to bring the body back into homeostasis. Dr. Guyton, Dr. Guyton wrote the physiological textbook for medical doctors. He's absolutely famous. Everyone studied Guyton's physiology. He absolutely agreed. He said, you know, when they were asking him about different types of treatments, he says, well, you know, I'm not really believe that strongly that disease care should be the primary care. He says it's got its place, but really we should be working on homeostasis care, structure function care, to really get the results. And he says, I am more of a structure function doctor in my belief system. Mm -hmm. Now, these are the top guys who write the textbooks for medical doctors, but the medical doctors on a street level are not taught that and are not instructed on how to look along those lines because it makes absolutely no scientific sense that you would not try to balance out the body to get healthy. Mm -hmm. Makes absolutely no sense. Why you would just be doing treating disease care and disease care is symptom based and the pharmaceuticals are never intended to make you healthier. Let me repeat that. Pharmaceuticals are, are not intended to make you healthier. They are to control the symptomatology. Now, are they important? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think the world of pharmaceuticals. But you can't ask a football to be a very good basketball. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. You can't use a football to play basketball. Mm -hmm. So we need the balance in there. And that's what we're trying to get across to other doctors, the population, that we shouldn't be looking for disease care to do what it's not intended to do. Right. Because it's not going to do it because it's not, it goes against the whole definition of what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can even see it and we're discussing hypertension. Sure. Right. The failures that are involved with the treatment of hypertension. And the percentages are going up and up. Right. The so stats. the answer is to have the disease care there, mm -hmm. but to also add the structure function and integrate the two. Mm -hmm. And that's what we keep on harping on. And that's what we do here at the Prather Practice. And that's what we do here at the Prather Practice. Yeah. So if prescription medicine, we have an First MD should, work with us, correct. a nurse practitioner. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. And the first means of treatment should always be structure function first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a goal in my life never to be on prescription medicine. Sure. That's just a goal right. uh, of mine. If you take care of yourself, mm -hmm. you know, your chances are much, much better. Mm -hmm. 
So we were talking about the structure, function, care, and treatments for hypertension. We talked about the benefits of chiropractic care, acupuncture, herbals, homeopathy. What about vitamins and minerals? Very strong correlation between vitamins and minerals and hypertension. Vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, which a lot of us are deficient on, mm -hmm. uh, have a direct results on hypertension. So looking at those. Minerals, the calcium magnesium, uh, looking at those as, as something that's very necessary. Uh, one of the uh, major medicines that they use is beta blockers, and that has to do with the calcium magnesium ratios on that. So as you can adjust those, you can make a very definite difference. So minerals are absolutely critical. So you're looking at calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, sodium balance is essential. Uh, selenium plays a big role. High copper, zinc ratios all play a big role in whether you have hypertension or not. Mm -hmm. We've had patients who had high copper, low zinc. Uh, we were able to balance that out and make an immediate difference in their hypertension. Mm -hmm. Some people we've added magnesium, uh, some calcium, some both, phosphorus, and we've seen a very big difference along those lines. We've seen high selenium and low selenium actually causing hypertension. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at all those different types of aspects, you can see why that's, you know, you have to do some investigating. Yes. Because there, uh, hypertension, one of the things that I hear all the time is that I've gone into my doctor and I said, well, why do I have hypertension? And the, the doctor said, it doesn't matter. We just need to treat it. Mm. It does matter. Mm-hmm. If you can understand the cause and you get the cause taken care of, the hypertension will go away. If you just treat the hypertension, that's important because the hypertension causes a tremendous amount of damage, but the blood pressure medicines also cause a tremendous amount of damage. Mm -hmm. So yes, hypertension usually causes more damage than the pharmaceuticals, but you want to eliminate both and then you have the best results. And get to the root. Get root into the, the why. root of the problem. You just don't want to know why or take the time to know why. Or Correct. Invest in, in our health and the why. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking to a friend who's my age, put mm -hmm. on blood pressure medicine. I said, do they know why? Right. We shouldn't, shouldn't settle for that. Correct. Dietary changes, exercise. Absolutely. Obesity, the body has to work four times harder to pump blood through fat than muscle. Mm. So wow. obesity, one, just increases the cardiac output, and the more obese you are, the higher the blood pressure. Right. So fiber plays a big role, how much animal fat you take in, low sugar, salt, all those things play a big role. The Prather Practice is located at 8902 North Meridian Street on the north side of Indianapolis, just south of the I-465 loop. If we can help you to achieve better health, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with our office at 317-848-8048. That's 317-848-8048. Join us again here next week or anytime on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com for The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather.